because of the circumstances that we face these days, I'm digressing a little today from Luke, and I'm going back to a basic passage of Scripture that is precious to all of us. I was 13 years old when my 92-year-old grandmother Owens lay on her deathbed. She was a wonderful saint of God. She never did anything bad to anybody. She grew up in Methodism. She was a Methodist. She fasted every Friday because that's the day the Lord died. She was a strong and yet quiet woman. Every time I went to see her, she was quite heavy set. And the lady that cared for her, that lived with her, was a lady. Her name was Mrs. Smith. And whenever, about once a week at least, Daddy, he was the 13th of 13 children. He was the youngest, and I was the youngest grandchild. And by the time she was 92, I don't have any idea how many grandchildren and, and great-grandchildren she had. But she knew me because I was the youngest of the youngest. And I, of course, she knew all of them, I suppose. But she always called for Mrs. Smith to bring her her change purse. And if she had a half dollar in there, she'd give me a half dollar. I always prayed, Lord, let there be a half dollar in there. If there wasn't, she always had quarters and she'd give me a quarter and then want me to kiss her. And, you know, she had, she had prickly hairs on her uh, face. And at the time as a kid, I was still kind of smooth faced. And it was a struggle, but I'd always reach down and get, let her kiss me on the cheek. Uh, so tender and sweet. Daddy would uh, would sit there for a while and he'd have prayer. He not only was her youngest child, he was her pastor by that time. She went to his church where he was pastor. And then came the day when the family was called in that she was slipping away. She was in her bed and in her home. And of course, daddy was there and I went with him. And I, as I said, I was 13 years old. And that, I have to think about this. That may be my earliest recollection of seeing someone on the deathbed. The characteristics and all but I noticed that she was, and I thought she was cold and trembling, that she was moving her lips. And so my daddy, he said, well, you, you never know. And he said, Mama, can I do something for you? She didn't say anything, but he leaned way over. And she was quoting the 23rd Psalm. Later that day, she died. Every time I saw her, she had her hair rolled up in a bun. The only one who ever saw her hair down was her husband. 
His name was Lewis Andrew Jackson Owens, but she always called him Mr. Owens. And he always called her Mrs. Owens. My daddy couldn't even think of the time that they ever called each other by their first names. And that's how he grew up. That's how she was. She had to be buried quickly because she left strict instructions of two daughters-in-law and Mrs. Smith would attend to her body when she died. She would have no other man touch or look upon her. That's how she had it said. So she had to be buried fairly quickly, and she was. But facing the great divide, and for all the, the fears that some people may f have in their hearts about things, even death, believers have always been able to find comfort in the 23rd Psalm. So I want us to look at uh, the 23rd Psalm. Would you open God's precious holy word to the 23rd Psalm? I have a shepherd and I'm not afraid. David, it is believed by many rabbinical scholars in the hundreds and hundreds of years past, began writing this Psalm as a young teenage boy, a shepherd boy, out in the fields with his sheep. He would have gazed up in, into a, an unbelievable blanket of stars. And he wrote about that from time to time and later on would say, what is man that you're mindful of him? When he thought of the vast expanse and creation of God as he could see it from the field where he cared for his sheep. He knew how to care for sheep. He knew all about them and he knew all about being a shepherd. One thing, I, and through the years I've done quite a bit of studies about shepherds and sheep are still the same. They have a mob mindset. Here's what I mean. If, if, if in the flock some, somebody starts getting agitated over whatever, maybe saw a snake, maybe was falling in love, I don't know, whatever, and was getting agitated, it created agitation until it spread through. the And the shepherd had to act quickly to keep this thing calmed down. Because if he didn't realize that it was happening, the first thing that you know is that in their mob mindset, it's almost like a cattle stampede. They would just take off. They know where they're going. They didn't have a plan. But the shepherd always had a plan. When he set out with his sheep, he knew where he was going. He knew the route he was taking. He knew everything about where he, as a matter of fact, he had gone on in times where there were down times and he had done what he needed to do to prepare their path for their long trek from one pasture to another. And finally they would come back. So he always had a plan. The good shepherd always had a plan. 
And the plan was based on the security and care and peace of his flock. Very careful to see to it that his plan took care of the needs and even the psyche of his sheep. Not only do they have a mob mindset, but they're, they're prone to wander. If you don't keep them going from one place to eat to another and from one water hole to another, it doesn't take them very long to get hungry or thirsty and they start looking on their own. And they're creatures of habit. They'll follow a rut that they've made by going back and forth to a place. And that place by, in, a, in a due course of time would have been grazed over until it was just nothing but barren land. Or perhaps the water, the water supply had dried up and you'd have to go to another. Didn't matter to them. All they knew was last time it was there. And even if it wasn't there, they still kept going back. So the shepherd had to be sure and take care of that and keep them from wandering. It was his job to keep them all together and to keep them safe, to keep them full, and to keep them happy. So, David, if indeed, and I, I don't see why it's not so, as the rabbis said, in, in centuries past, if he was this young boy and started and perhaps finished it later in life, this 23rd Psalm, you can imagine the experiences that he's, he's out there by himself and he has to do all the things that need to be done to take care of his flock. And he has a plan and he knows how to take care of them and how to feed them and how to water them and where to do these things and the preparations that he has to make and the opportunities that he has so that as they go to those places, it's already been prepared. It's already taken care of. Now, David, of course, is a man after God's own heart. He, without knowing it, was being prepared to become a king. Writing this inspired psalm, David doesn't see himself as a king or even a shepherd. He sees himself as a sheep. So there are, there are points that I want to make as we look at this 23rd psalm. And hopefully in the days ahead of us, we will reflect on the truths and the strengthening spiritually we can get from pondering and meditating upon the 23rd Psalm. Number one, I have a personal shepherd. Let's look at this. It is, of course, Mitzmur Yadavid. It's a Psalm of David. Yahweh Rodi, Yahweh. Participle, it's the is, is is understood. Yahweh is my shepherd. Young boy, I don't know how many dozens or scores or hundreds of sheep were in his care. He had settled them in for the night. The stars were everywhere. Yahweh is the creator. And as he thinks of how Yahweh cares for every one of those stars, 
he reflects upon this truth. Yahweh is my shepherd. How much more does Yahweh care for his than David cared for his? Yahweh is my shepherd. You see, Yahweh, it's that, uh, it's that, that one right there. Jews won't say that name. They'll call it Adonai. And it's not Adonai. Some will just spell it uh, yod heh yod heh That kind of sounds like Yahweh. Yahweh. It's a personal name of God that is a covenant name that is special between him and those who are his own. In the creation event... And in the days leading up to man, he is just Elohim, God. But when man comes on the scene, he becomes Yahweh Elohim. He becomes Lord God. And Lord is in all capital letters in the translation because it's Yahweh. It's not Adonai or some other. It's Yahweh. So when man is created, God establishes a personal relationship with man. David uses the personal name of the creator. He's personal to me. He is my shepherd. Contentment was the name of the game for sheep. The goal was contentment for the flock. So this was the great job of the shepherd, whatever it takes, I'm going to keep them content. That's what he did. So that, and if any, I'm sure some of you have seen, I've probably referred to this before when I was in the Holy Land one time. And all these sheep, I don't know, they were out as far as you, and then there about a dozen or so, I don't know, maybe not that many, shepherds. These are grown, grown men. And the tour guide said, we're going to see John 10 here come to life. And in a few minutes, one of the shepherds started walking away. He never looked back. And he just yodeled. Yaddle, 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 yaddle. And he never looked back. And certain of all of those sheep lifted their heads and looked for him. And they begin to make their way. Just those who were his, no others, just his. He never looked back. My sheep know my voice and they hear me and they follow me. And they did. From here and there and everywhere, I couldn't have known the difference between one or the other. The shepherd did and the shepherd knew they would follow once hearing his voice. Nothing would keep them from finding their shepherd and following his voice. They knew that this guy had brought them contentment. And I'm sure the other sheep would have known the same thing about their shepherds, but there's a distinction between a particular shepherd and his sheep. There, there, is, a, there is an established bond here that the sheep have accepted 
as this guy will bring us contentment. If we start stomping and snorting and getting upset, he will take care of us and settle us down. If we're hungry, he'll feed us. If we're thirsty, he'll give us water. And he'll keep us moving so that we're always in a good pasture. And he'll protect us from our enemies. So they would follow him. Yahweh, David would reflect upon all of this. And he even talked about his skills of being able to protect when he stood against Goliath. Yahweh is my shepherd. So he is a personal shepherd. In Christ, we have a personal shepherd. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in John, I am the good shepherd. So he assumes the place of the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. Secondly, I have a providing shepherd. What do I need? He'll take care of it. So here we go. Second part of that first verse. I shall not want. Not low. It means I will never be diminished. I will never lack. I will never be decreased. I will always be in him what he makes me to be. And according to my needs, he will meet them. And I shall not need, I shall not slack or lack. I shall not want. He goes beyond that. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. There are four things that are necessary, if I can remember them, uh, that are required for sheep to be restful and contented. In other words, to lie down. Number one, they have to be free from fear. They have to have the sense that nothing is going to harm them, that they are protected. Secondly, they have to be, have a freedom from parasites and pests like flies and so forth. Thirdly, they have to have a freedom from hunger. And then finally, they have to have a freedom from being upset. Social behavior needs to be calm. They have to have those four things before they'll ever settle down. And it's the shepherd's job to meet all four of those requirements. So the good shepherd has met the requirements. He causes me. He did whatever was necessary to meet those four requirements to lie down in green pastures. I told you earlier that the shepherd always has a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. It's an infallible plan. It won't be stopped. It will be applied to my life. I can't run from it. I, I accept it. I love it. I appreciate it. He's my shepherd. Regardless of where I go or what I do, I'm in his plan. We'll talk more about how he keeps us in that plan as we go through this thing. So he meets, he causes he does what's necessary. He leads me beside still waters. 
The sources of water in that part of the world when David wrote were number one, dew. Sheep would often begin grazing early so that they could get water as surely as they grazed on grass because the grass would be covered with dew. Secondly, deep wells that had been dug at an earlier time and the shepherd would have to send a bucket down and bring up the water. And then there were streams and springs. In his plan to carry his sheep along the prepared path that he had prepared for them. He knew where the still waters were. Sometimes he even had to prepare and clean out places so that the water was easily seen and kept clean. You didn't want the sheep to drink water that would hurt them on the inside. The good shepherd knows this. He leads me beside still waters. I read that sheep are deathly afraid of the sound of rushing water. Because of their wool, if they stepped out a little bit into rushing water, their wool would soak up the water and they would get too heavy to hold themselves up and they would collapse and fall and even in a shallow place they could drown. So they had a natural and instinctive fear of the sound of rushing water. My shepherd is not going to lead me into things like that. He's going to have a plan already prepared and he's going to carry me in the way that I need to go. Then he rescues my soul. He restores, he rescues. One of the biggest dangers that a shepherd knew his sheep faced was not Jackals or bears or foxes or whatever, even thieves. The biggest danger was a cast sheep. Downcast, cast down. The little idiot would wander off a little bit away from where the shepherd had prepared a place. He would stumble into a ravine or something could actually scare him and he would jerk so much that he would fall over. Kind of like a fainting goat, I guess, but, not that, but they couldn't get up then because of their build and their, their wool, their coat. They would be cast down. That's a cast sheep. And all he can do is just, you know, just lay there. And maybe every once in a while, but what does that mean when all the other ones are going, eh, you know? The shepherd had to constantly watch for cast sheep. Sometimes more than once during the day, he would hold out his rod and in a narrow place, make the sheep pass under the rod and he would count them. And that's how he counted them, by counting them as they went under his rod. And he would know if something was missing. And he would secure the ones that he knew were there, of course. And having secured them, he would do whatever he had to do to go and find the one that was cast. 
that wasn't there. My shepherd does whatever he has to do. It was my fault. I did a dumb thing. And he's going to come and find me. He rescues my soul. He brings it back again, the word. He regains me. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Did you know that Middle Eastern shepherds were very careful of their reputations as shepherds? Generally, work could always be found in that part of the world and in that economy as a shepherd, even if you couldn't do anything else. And so if you could be a shepherd, you wanted to be a good shepherd because the master of the house then would trust the flock with you. He had a reputation to keep. So you see, my shepherd looks after me for his name's sake. I'm of his flock. He is my shepherd. He does whatever he has to do to rescue my soul. He is a providing shepherd. I have a protective shepherd. Even when I walk, In the death darkness valley, I will fear no adversity for you're with me. Your, your rod or your scepter and your staff, they comfort me. It was required to take the shortest route and to be sure to keep up in the differing seasons with the best grazing lands. It was required to go from lowland to highland and back to lowland. And any time you do that, you have to pass through a narrow valley. That's where the water would come down and was always dropping down on the sides of the cliffs. So there was always fresh water. And it was the quickest way to get from point A to point B. So you could quickly move them from one grazing land to another. You had to do it. They knew it. But their smell was always in that valley. And so the wild animals were always there waiting to pounce on them. But a shepherd was tough. He had a rod and a staff. And he knew how to use them. Those two things in his hands were deadly to the enemy. But they were a comfort to the sheep. The rod was also a symbol of authority. The staff was a symbol of safety and rescue. The staff was the one that had the crook on it, which would be used to reach in and bring up a, a lamb or a sheep. And the rod was really was really specially made by each individual shepherd to fit his grip to his height 
and they knew what the weight and balance and length should be in order to be able to fight with it. So whatever was out there, and David even boasted, hey, I faced the bear and the giant. I faced these bad animals. In David's case, he also carried a sling, perhaps the rest of them as well. Whatever it was, it was a symbol of authority and safety and comfort because wherever they went, regardless of what the danger may have been ahead, the shepherd went first. The sheep would never face an enemy that hadn't already been dealt with by the shepherd. In this case, it was Death's Valley, the dark valley of death. That's what they called it because there was so much death that occurred in those narrow, shadowy places, robberies, wild animals. Even though I have to pass through that valley, my shepherd has already passed through it. And whatever was there, he already faced it. And he whipped it. He defeated it. So that I don't have to do a thing but just follow my shepherd. Even through death, darkness, valley. I have no enemy there. I have no trouble there because you, ra, ra, enemy, trouble, adversity, for you're with me. You took care of it. You already faced it so that I don't have to. You prepare a table before me in the sight or presence of my adversaries. Shalach. It's this word right here. Now that means a spread out presence. That's what it means. It came to generally mean a table. After last night, we all know about tables. This is a different table. This was the table land. It was the elevated area. Same word. It means the same thing. A spread out presence. Part of his plan was when it was time for them to take a little bit of an extended break, he would take them to a high plane so that they could see all the way around and down them and they couldn't be surprised by anything. And he would have already planted that thing with the rich, lush grass and plants that were important for the sheep. And they could spend time there and the shepherd could rest a little while, but nothing would sneak up on them because the shepherd had prepared the tableland. Even in the presence, you'd have maybe a wolf here and a bear there. And then they took one look at that shepherd and they would say, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for a cheaper meal somewhere else. While there, the land then and was always replete with nose flies and ear flies, just every kind of fly all over their head, nose, eyes. He had a special concoction while he was watching out 
for the enemy, he would rub this special oil that he had put together all over them so that these maddening insects would leave them alone. You anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Whatever they needed on that table land in that time of rest, there was more than enough because of the care of the shepherd. Finally, my shepherd will never let me go. Out of permanent shepherd, surely, ah, indeed, tov, goodness. Now that's a, that's not a word that speaks of justification. That's a word that speaks of welfare, well-doing, prosperity, abundance. Surely, abundance and covenant love. Chesed, chesed. From chesed, covenant love. God establishes the love. What can a dumb sheep do to choose a good shepherd? He, he, the shepherd brings himself to the sheep that he would take. And the root of the word here that's translated pursue, radaf. Here's goodness and here's covenant love, or if you want to name him mercy. Two good sheepdogs. One here, one here, bringing up the rear. You'll want to slip off into a place that's not going to be good for you. Goodness will nip at you, bring you back in. Sometimes you become distressed and overwrought. Covenant love will come running up, pushing you back into the place where you ought to be to remind you that you have a good shepherd. And they chase after you all the days of life. The shepherd already arranged this. He's out front leading. He's, he's beating up on enemies and adversaries. He's carrying us and guiding us through the plan that he had already arranged and bringing us back to the place where we're supposed to be, which is the house of the master. And I will dwell... Isha Bet. Shub is the root. It means to dwell as in a settled state of marriage. To inhabit. To be settled as in marriage. In the house of Yahweh. For length of time or in perpetuity, ever how you forever, how you want to 
Look at those last two words. It will never stop. Caring for me all the days of my life, regardless, I am not to fear, to be afraid. I trust my shepherd. He's already passed through tomorrow for me while I'm just still in today. Someday, the path will end in the house of Yahweh, my Savior, my good shepherd, my Lord. And all that he did for me was good so that he could bring me to the place that's even better. Dear Grandmother Owens, did not make it to sunset that day. The last thing that was heard from her lips that day, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you're here without Christ, come to Christ today. These are uncertain days and we need a shepherd. We need security. We need God to have a plan and implemented in our lives. You come. Maybe you're here, you're already a Christian and God leads you to come and be a part of this church. You come as well. Father God in heaven, bless the invitation as you see fit in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. Would you come?